www.jagshow.fm. And of course, jagshow.com. We have a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast, and uh, he is a... He's joined us many a time on our uh, on our daily program, and uh, wanted to get him on today to to, to do a one on one kind of chat about uh, different things in the in the world of politics. We've got Lawrence Federal with us today. He's a Washington Times conservative political writer, and he's conservative commentator on social and political news of the day. And he joins us today here in our lineup media presentation. And uh, Lawrence, uh, there is a lot going on out there in Washington. Um, give me give me your thoughts on on this. Uh, Neil Gorsuch situation with, with with the Supreme Court. Well, it's it's uh, it's kind of a a done deal. Uh, the Senate is so uh, bitterly uh, partisan right now that it just uh, whoever has the votes wins, and uh, that's what's going to happen. It's uh, everybody's kind of nostalgic for the time when they used to do these. Uh, candidates by uh, by acclamation. They didn't even uh, take a roll call, but uh, those days are long gone. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Dr. Dr. Fedwood joins us here in our broadcast, and uh uh, doctor, there, there, there is. You're the author of more than 100 Washington Times online columns. Uh, you're known as the uh, the early inter- uh, basically uh, interrupter of the Donald Trump phenomena. Um, uh, what, what, what do you think of, of the Donald Trump situation and and and, and what he is uh, doing out there in Washington? Well, he's he's uh, certainly not not. Uh He's certainly doing things, and the uh, the things he's been able to do so far, which are pretty significant, uh, have been most have been uh, for, for the most part have been through executive action, or through uh, personal uh, diplomacy or personal uh, salesmanship with the big companies, bringing them back into the United States. Uh, but his his uh, real his real uh, debt legacy is going to be in uh, in legislation, and I think he uh, he's finding that that is a much more difficult thing to accomplish uh, than than uh, perhaps some of the other deals that he's been in. Uh, he's learning fast, and um, he's got some good some good guys uh, working with him, especially uh, in the uh, Senate and the House. I know there's a lot of controversy about uh, Paul Ryan right now, but I feel that, in fact, I just wrote a column about that. Um, I figure, I think that that he uh, he made some mistakes in the health uh, care uh, uh, repeal and replace uh, Obamacare, but he'll learn. He's young, and he's smart, and um, his heart's in the right place, so... They'll 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 pull that out, and once they do, I think that they will then be they will have learned how to how to uh, how to work together. And you got to realize all these people are strangers to each other. Even even many of the members of the House and Senate are not very well known to each other because of their they haven't been there that long. And uh, so you know, there's a shakedown that has to come on every cruise. And I think that's where they are right now. They're kind of shaking things down. Now, uh, but they'll they'll bring it out. 
Now, now, Doctor, you uh, you you've known and and been around Paul Ryan. Uh, kind of give us some inside on 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 the man itself. Paul Ryan is uh, a man of the people. You know, it, when he's not in Congress, you can find you find him out out in the lawn playing softball with the kids, and he goes to the grocery store just like everybody else. He's not a. He's not a. He's being accused of being an elitist and being a, a uh, establishment uh, uh, robot. But he's not at all. He's a, he's a very uh, ordinary guy that's just had a lot of brain power and a lot of drive, and that got him to be the Speaker of the House of the United States Senate. I mean, the House uh, at a young age. But uh, he 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 is he is basically he was always known as. Well, when we used to know him back in the days when he was on the staff of uh, Senator, Senator Casson from Wisconsin, he was known as kind of a wonk. Yes. He, he was a guy who really, really got into the, the nit, nitty-gritty of the legislation. And if you wanted to know anything about any any uh, any law or any uh, prospect, any uh, HR thing that was coming up, you just ask Paul, and he could probably tell you uh, more than you wanted to know. So <laughs> he's 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 a very bright guy, and he's he's a very determined guy. Uh, he's he's kind of soft spoken in a lot of ways. He, he's not as soft spoken now as he as he used to be. <laughs> but uh, uh, I I have a lot of confidence in Paul, and I think uh, he he is he definitely wants to make the the trains run on time. I think that was a little bit of what got him in trouble this this time because he uh, he got developed he he had a very sophisticated uh, plan to uh, get the uh, Obamacare matter taken care of and it was just a little bit too sophisticated for his own people they, yes. they didn't understand it <laughs> and and he made a big, the most, biggest mistake he made was instead of going out getting everybody to get together and figure out what the what the uh, what they were going to do uh, before he started uh, he assumed that the you, you, you probably remember that a year ago they the uh, house and the Senate put a bill uh, on uh, Obama's desk uh, repealing and replacing Obamacare and he just assumed that everybody was still there and that was the same thing that everybody all agreed to and so why why go back you know, take uh, coal to cat coals. Uh, oh yeah. To, and so he uh, he, but he made a mistake because number one, there were some other people there, but also uh, they just didn't know. And and he and he and his leadership group, they should have known better to uh, not to keep it so quiet, so secret. Uh, they didn't really try to keep it secret, but they, but it, that's the way it turned out. And. That really is what caused them a lot of trouble. But they'll they'll learn. They'll pull it out. Now, Doctor, um, kind of give us a, a a a historical perspective on today's political issues from from this from this uh, Trump care situation to immigration to some of these different things. I I'm, I'm fascinated by uh, the how history plays into into current times. Well, I guess I guess if you really want to get Historically, you have to go back to 1948, and that is when the United States was the only uh, Western country that was that was whole and that was prosperous. 
and uh, so we and then of course the the uh, Soviet Union was also uh, on the ascent, and so there would became the Cold War, and the United States took on all of the responsibilities of taking care of everybody that was against the uh, Soviets, and we did that for. Uh, 50 years, and we, uh, actually about 41 years anyway, and uh, we paid all the bills, and we kept everybody out of war, and we made a, it was a tremendous accomplishment to win that war without ever having a hot war happen, but in the process, we got a lot of habits that, uh, that got outdated, because the Japan and, and Germany, for example, were our biggest uh, uh, enemies in the world in the war, and we made we had the uh, these great plans to uh, recover their uh, economy, and they recovered so well that they became the second and third largest uh, economies in the world, and yet we were we're paying all the bills, we're taking care of them, we're giving them fr uh, free trade and. And uh, so on, and that extended really to all of the other uh, countries that were on our side or that we wanted to be on our side, like India, for example. So we just ran out of money, and uh, we ended up having to pay a tremendous, uh, well, we, we got a $20 trillion uh, uh, national debt, which we could not have done had we not had the... Uh, the, the reserve currency of the world, and so we did. We have to make some changes, but all, you, you got to remember all the people that grew up with this whole this whole mentality of the United States being the policeman of the world and the defender of the of the true and the just. Um, they all they believe in that, and and they are they don't understand that that there are limitations of the uh, United States Treasury. It is not a bottomless well. But they just, they don't understand that, that you have to have profits in order to have taxes. It's pretty basic, but they don't understand that. And so when the guy comes along, who's basically a businessman, and if a businessman looks at a, at a company that's in trouble, the first thing he wants to do is look at the budget. Yes. And then he sees that the budget is in not in balance, and so you have to do two things. You have to reduce expenses, and you have to increase revenue. And sometimes you have to borrow money to, to, do, uh, to increase the revenue. So that's where Trump is coming from, and people in Washington, they just don't understand that. They, uh, even, the, even the press, you know, the, the press are part of this. They... They always saw their job was to, to instruct the people, and it got to the point where they felt like not only were they to instruct the people, but they were to guide us as well. And they were to interpret whatever with the politicians were doing, and if they liked it, they told, they told everybody the way that, they, uh, that it was a good thing and vice versa. Well, now they come along, and here comes a guy that's, that's uh, not all that excited about uh, the way they're they're uh, reporting what he's doing, and uh, and so there's a big fight going on. But they're part of the establishment as well. So uh, all of this is, you know, human. Be I used to work for a 
for a guy that said that, that the organism resists change, and he meant the human organism. And change is a very difficult thing for, for any group of people to do. And that's what we're going through right now. And the big question, of course, is will, will uh, the Trump uh, people succeed? And uh, we just got to give them a little time to show what they can do. If they can't see, if they don't, if they don't do what they're saying, what they're trying to do, or they're supposed to do, then that's the time to start criticizing them, but not not before they even get started. I I agree with those points, Doctor. I I really do. We've got Doctor Lawrence Federal with us today, Washington Times political columnist. He is with us here on our lineup media presentation, lineupmedia.fm. Also, J A G S H O W dot com. And uh, when you go over to jagshow.com, you can download all of our past episodes and also check out our our uh, Amazon link for more information on how you can help us. Uh, by shopping Amazon through our website at jagshow.com. Now, um, you were the the owner of a federal contracting firm for 23 years. Tell us a little bit about this, because uh, I, I'm sure you've got you've got some interesting stories for, from that. <laughs> well, I was we're, we were specialists in uh, the administration of federal contracts, and believe me, we saw. I came out of that experience. Uh, fully convinced that the, the federal government really can't do anything right. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonder we ever won any wars. And of course, we haven't won any recently either. No, no. Uh, they just, um, they, have, they have so much uh, red tape and so many. The, the biggest thing about, you have to understand about the bureaucracy is if, if you are a smart guy and you get into a job where it takes forever to do anything because you have to have so many meetings and so much uh, so many different uh, uh, approaches to everything has to be taken into consideration and nobody wants to be tied again with a mistake nobody can make a mistake so how do they avoid making a mistake they all make it together so wow so that that's what that's what slows everything down and they just they just just amazing how how much they it's, i i couldn't do it i i uh, i don't have that much patience but uh that's really what what we're into and and frankly the obama administration uh, they're not the only ones i mean they 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 are the they are the the kings of bureaucracy frankly but regulation but uh it's been going on for a long time and uh even if you go back to uh, ronald reagan well to go back to richard nixon you know they were against they were they were all against uh, uh all these regulations that people put on but it's really it's really gotten a lot worse in the last 10 five or 10 years because you've got the uh this you've got these new tools that the bureaucrats have got uh, uh, global warming, for example, and uh, bad uh, the water and the air and the pollution and all that all these things that they say immediately it's the government's responsibility. And what that means is that these guys are going to huddle and huddle and huddle, and finally they're going to come out with about 500 pages of regulations that nobody understands except. Uh, 
the guy that wrote some of it. And uh, then they tell, what, what that means is that they are the enforcers, so they tell us what to do. And they tell us whether it's our own farm and we've got a pond on it and we want to have our cattle uh, uh, drinking out of our pond. And they, they, they can come around and tell us we can't do that because there's a fish in there that uh, that may uh, might get gobbled up by a, by a cow. So it's... It's it's just it's uh it, it it is a very 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 frustrating situation, and I think the Trump people are that is one of the problems that they're trying they're starting to really understand, and it's believe me it's uh it's it is a real challenge. So his idea of the first thing he did when he came in was he he uh, froze a federal hiring, and yes that. That, of course, is the first way to start uh, eating away at the dominance of all these regulations. And then the second thing he did was he started taking a lot of money away from some of these uh, uh, agencies that have just gone crazy. So, you know, we haven't got that budget approved yet either, so we'll have to see what happens, but... Anyway, well, that, and see that's that, and and that that Lawrence is 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 a question that that I I would love to get your thoughts on with, with the way that uh, uh, Trump is wanting to take away some money from from different things. For instance, the uh, Corporation of Public Broadcasting. He's he's wanting to basically take a lot of federal money away from them. However, there are folks like the Koch brothers and others that donate and and love donating to things like that. Um, w- what do you think they're going to do? Well, the, the, the liberals, you know, they're really today, liberals are, are, are basically socialists. Yes. And their idea is that anything that needs to be done for society has to be done by the government. Now, uh, you know, in, middle, in the Middle Ages, it was the church that, that had to do it. Anything, anything, anybody take care of the widows and orphans and, uh, and uh, the hospital and the, so on, that was all done by the church. Well, now, these guys want the government to do it. And they, don't, they do not recognize that there is, are other ways to get things done than simply by making a law and using taxpayer money. And uh, one of the, the ways that has been most effective, especially in, in the United States, is philanthropy. Um, you know, Bill Gates has now made a, uh, not only has he been the richest man in the world, but he's also become the, uh, the he's made a science out of uh, philanthropy. And uh, by the way, he's not the first one. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay uh, Rockefeller did the same thing. So um, uh, it's a uh, it's a ma- it's a mindset, and when when uh, when when a guy like Trump or any businessman looks at looks at the corporation for public broadcasting, that's a good thing. That's a lot of people like it, and it's got a lot of good things about. It. But hey, you know what? We've also got five six hundred other uh, radios and television stations, and maybe we don't need to have taxpayers have one. Maybe they can be uh, uh, if if so if they can sell the idea that uh, they are serving a, a certain segment of the popul- population. If they can sell that idea to the philanthropists, then then that's how they'll they'll get it done. And frankly, if they can't, maybe they shouldn't be there at all. So, uh, and that's the same way with uh, they're talking about the 
oh, Meals on Wheels. Oh, come on, you know. I mean, people have been doing wheels, Meals on Wheels before there ever was a, I mean, right in our neighborhood, we've got we've got a, a, a meal, meals on wheels that it's done by people by by people that are just uh, volunteering. I mean, you know, and these people are crying cock- cock- crocodile tears over over the the things that are being eliminated from the budget. But frankly, his point is we can't do that because we don't have the money. We're broke, and that's a pretty strong argument. We've got uh, Dr. Lawrence Federer with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on lineupmedia.fm, also jagshow.com. Now, Doctor, um, a lot has been done over the last, I don't know, eight years with President Obama and now with President Trump. There's a lot of talk about racism in America. Give me your thoughts on this and some of the different things that you've been writing about and some of the folks you've been speaking with. Well, I uh, <clears throat> I don't I don't I don't think there is racism in America. Uh, the concept of uh, racism, as we've heard it recently, now you, you have to distinguish between racism. Let's say in the first uh, 150 years of uh, the of the republic, where we had the uh, the white supremacy uh, based upon uh, slavery of the uh, Negro. Population and then uh, the Chinese that came in on, on the West Coast and so on, and before that, you know, you had the Mexicans who who made slaves of the Indians. As racism in that sense has always been with uh, uh, human beings. Uh, human tribes have always felt that their tribe was the best and the strongest, and and every other tribe uh, was uh, lesser, and uh, they. If they were to survive, they were to survive by, by serving us. And that, whether that was uh, in India where you had the, uh, the, the Maharajas and, and the seven caste system, or in, in, in uh, China where you had the Mandarins who, were, uh, who, who couldn't even trim their own, their own uh, fingernails, uh, you've always had the, the slaves and the... And the uh, and the uh, master race, whether it, wherever you wherever you look in history, the only place that that's ever been seriously challenged has been in here in the United States, because we had uh, we we have had a goal right from the beginning that all men are created equal. Unfortunately, we did not uh, achieve that goal for a long, long time, and it took a lot of uh, serious suffering and, and murders and all sorts of uh, terrible things to finally uh, begin to try to understand and, and to eliminate the uh, bias and the prejudice that that, that, that mentality uh, required. But... Uh, in fact, we never did lose sharp. We never lost sight of the uh, of the goal, and we worked very hard as a as a nation to achieve that goal. And frankly, uh, I was not a. I, I admit that I did not vote for Mr. Obama, but I was very pleased when I saw that we had. Uh, uh, a 
a, uh, a black man, or at least half black man, as the President of the United States because it said to me, by George, we finally have made a major step away from racism. Yes. Little did I, little did I know that they were going to re-establish uh, a whole different view of racism. And uh, <laughs> you are correct on it, that. The 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 key really isn't it, whether some people think they're better than others. The key is really are they equal before the law? And if and if we can have a law that is equally enforced by uh, on everybody by everybody, then that's the best we can really probably hope for. Because people are always going to look at their own tribe. And they're all going to say, you know, they're always going to feel a certain amount of comfort and superiority. And, you know, that's that's okay. We, we all have families. We have uh, extended families. We have neighborhoods. We have schools. We, have, we all belong to a lot of different tribes. But as those tribes can uh, accept the, the basic... Uh, equality that we uh, uh, aspire to and have always aspired to, uh, in spite of our in spite of our uh, sins of uh, aggression and omission, then that really is that's that's what we really want. It's, and and frankly, if you look at the neighborhood, I don't see how anybody can uh, look at the at the uh, uh, rise of particularly the black race in uh, in the middle class and in neighborhoods and in corporations and, and in generally in affluence and say that uh, they are being uh, they're they're being racially oppressed I mean there are a lot of a lot of white people that are a lot less uh, affluent than than a, than a lot of black people if, for that matter so the 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 real issue if if you look at David Horowitz uh, he's he's written a book about the um, the the, uh, the the Trump plan for uh, for the United States he he makes the point in there that what the what the uh, liberals have done is they have said that anybody who is quote underrepresented is therefore uh, a victim of prejudice and if if it's a racial thing. Uh, it's racism, and he uses the example which I thought was was pretty appropriate. You could say that if you look at the uh, national, uh, the NBA, the National Basketball Association, yes, and you look at the you look at the players there, they're predominantly black players, and so you could say that the white players are underrepresented, and therefore there is a bias, a prejudice, a racism against the white players. Well, nobody believes that. <laughs> nobody believes that. So, uh, why would you say that if they're if they're under if uh, uh, you know uh, girls are underrepresented in the Boy Scouts that that means they're being prejudiced against? I mean, it doesn't work out that way. So, I think that this whole business of it's it's really related to to the uh, liberal concept that. We have to have uh, we have to have victims that that everybody yes. That yes. is is uh, being somehow uh, abused by by uh, conventional norms and uh, that therefore they have some some uh, anger and distress 
and uh, therefore resistance to and aggression against uh, other people. And uh, unfortunately for us, the only people that don't seem to have any uh, victimhood are white males. So maybe we're underrepresented in certain in certain areas, but see, we don't get credit for that. <laughs> you are completely correct on that. We've got a uh, great conversation that we're having today here on lineupmedia.fm with uh, Dr. Lawrence Fedwa. He is a, a Washington Times conservative political writer. He joins us here on our broadcast here at jagshow.com. Now, uh, there there is a lot written during the, during the campaign, Doctor, about uh, European socialism. Everybody was, you had the Bernie fans, you had all these folks that wanted to, you know, usher in socialism. You got a lot of young people that are listening to NPR. They've made they've made NPR one of the highest listened to um, stations and podcasts. Uh, tell us about the dangers of European socialism, Doctor. Well, it's. It's pretty, it's pretty ironic that it's become so popular in the United States because it's failing all over the world. <laughs> it's, uh, if you look at the, uh, the, the uh, really, there's about one, I guess, well, I suppose you'd say more than one, but there are some, there's really only one re- really uh, prosperous democratic uh, socialist uh, country right now, and that's Germany. And of course, you could say the Scandinavian countries are are probably in the same boat. But generally speaking, uh, the whole idea that you that the government should run everything, and that they should tax, uh, they should they should take money from the rich and give it to the poor, or take money from the from the well off and give it to the lesser well off, or then take or then they take money from the well, lesser well-off and give it to the better well-off. I mean, that's about the way it works sometimes. Uh, the problem is that they get... Uh, the European the European Union, for example, is is about um, 90, 95, 94, 95% of GDP. Debt-to-GDP is about 95%. The Americans are just under that, uh, just about that. We're a little bit, you, sometimes, some days we're like 100% or 107%. But uh, look at uh, the, the, commu- the, the, really, socialism is ultimately um, the same thing as communism. Because if you were to take all of the, um, all of the uh, approaches that, that these people take, and you carry them to the extreme, then you have the government in charge of everything, and then the government, of course, is run by people, and these people have their own desires to be uh, uh, for power and for wealth and for freedom and whatever. So you've always got, even in communist society, uh, which is supposed to be, everybody's supposed to be equal, uh, by not only by law, but by poverty, uh, they uh, they always have a, an elite class, and that's that that's always been the way a human a human organize themselves, and that's always the way it's going to be. So the problem is, who is it going to who who is going to earn the money that it's going to take to to make everybody else uh, not have to worry about money? Well, ultimately, if you keep taxing people to death, 
you're taxing all your industry, you're taxing all your uh, revenue-producing uh, uh, capabilities, and you, you, you do what happened in Russia, basically. You, you run out of money. I mean, the only reason, you know, the only country that does not have a big uh, debt-to-GDP uh, uh, debt ratio is, uh, is Russia, because it's, seven, it's at 17%. And the reason is, because when they, when they defaulted in, in 1996, nobody would give them any money. So they can't get in a debt because nobody will, will, will borrow from them. I mean, they'll lend to them. And you, you just got to understand that somebody has to earn the money to pay for all these things. And the Americans have, have, a, have traditionally had a unique and very, very productive approach to that problem. But the Bernie Sanders of the world don't understand that. Bernie's basically a communist. He spent his, he, he was part of that Roosevelt group in the 1930s that was idolized the, uh, uh, the Soviet Union. He went over there for his honeymoon, by the way. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd been there a long time. And uh, there was a whole group of those people around, uh, around uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So uh, we have we have a unique situation in which we have we say that instead of the government running us, the people, the people are supposed to run the government, and, and we've gotten a long ways from that. We have to get back to it if we want to save ourselves. Now, doctor, uh, on on the same on, on on the same view on this, we've got uh, Dr. Lawrence Federal with us today, Washington Times conservative political writer. He joins us live here on LineUpMedia.fm and also JAGSHOW.com. We were talking there about the dangers of European socialism. Kind of give us the uniqueness of America's democratic capitalism. Kind of compare and contrast there, my friend. Well, um, it's a it's a very um, it's a very uh, interesting combination. There, there, there are two things. Uh, there is a capitalism is an economic system, and uh, de de democracy is a uh, political system. And somebody has the somebody has to earn the money. And how do you earn the money? Well, you earn the money by doing things that people will pay you for. So in capitalism, if you just take capitalism without any uh, uh, any uh, uh, constraints on it, you you run into terrible, terrible uh, inequities. And you look at the 19th century, even in America, especially in uh, Europe, especially in Germany and and in Britain, uh, in France, the the uh, unbridled capitalism. And this is what uh, Karl Marx was always uh, fighting against. Capitalism, as he knew it, was where you get the, uh, the, the rich and the powerful get richer and richer because they keep exploiting the underclass. Now, that didn't start in the 19th century. That, that goes way back to uh, throughout history. You've always had the rich and the powerful exploiting the, un the underclass, whether it's uh, the lords and the serfs or whether it's the uh, masters and the slaves, it's, it's, that's been the, the normal way in which uh, human society organized itself for many, many years. 
when when the when the United States was actually settled uh, by people that were that came over here who who were uh, trying to get away from a lot of those conventions and they didn't consider they were kind of outcasts in a lot of ways uh, they didn't consider themselves to be uh, separate or above people they were just people and so what they decided to do was to try to get a a uh, government which had the responsibility for constraining the re the excesses of capitalism they were not against capitalism but they wanted to make capitalism uh, humane and and make it productive for everybody not just for the the rich and the powerful and that that was another one of our major um, evolutions over the period of the particularly it really came to a head in uh, probably in the early 19th century uh, early 20th century with uh, with uh, the trust busters uh, particularly Theodore Roosevelt and uh, they then began to put serious limitations on the uh, on the uh, owners of businesses particularly large businesses and then one of the ways they did this is by encouraging unions. And unions uh, were people where they got together and they decided to, uh, you know, to make their their demands known. And if they didn't, if you didn't, if they didn't work, nothing got done. Nobody made any money. And even Henry Ford came along with the idea. His idea was, well, if I pay them more than than they asked for, then they won't they won't have unions against me and so he gave them the five dollar day that's where that started but really in the 20th century in the united states is when when our uh, idea of the of, of the representative government um, being a counterbalance and a equalizer for uh, uh, for capitalism um, that's really when it came it came to fruition and frankly it's almost been in our lifetime here. I'd say the second half of the 20th century is probably the best, the best example of democratic capitalism as we have done it. But we have found out, you know, the the fundamental thing is, what is it that's going to keep people productive? Are you going to have uh, people working and doing productive things, or are they going to sit around and they're going to sit and 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 be lazy and and not be motivated to do anything useful well we have found that the most and you can talk about any kind of motivation that you that has been ever been tried but the most the most valid and useful and productive motivation is to tell people to take care of their own family if they have the responsibility to take care of their own family, they'll work their heads off, and they will become productive, and they'll do what has to be done. Now, that's not 100%, but most, most people want to do the best they can for their own family, and that, by extension, means that they work hard for themselves or for other people or for, or, uh, for whatever they can do. And that is ultimately the basis for one of the great things that's true in democratic capitalism and that is social mobility people that work hard and are smart and 
and maybe lucky and get the right, do the right things, they can become, they can start out dirt poor and end up filthy rich. And and that, and it's not just greed that does it. It's for most people, it's a matter of taking care of your own and trying to uh, have pe- have a peaceful life, a productive life, a happy life, and have people in your family uh, well taken care of. So that's really that, and 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 to the and when you look at the at the uh, founders of the uh, of the United States. That's a lot of what they were talking about, and so we have to provide. We have to maintain that and increase it, and and not allow the government to take over and try to uh, dictate everything that we do. And that's basically what I see as the difference between democratic capitalism and democratic socialism. Well, Doctor, you you make some excellent points on on, on a lot of different things. Uh, if people want to read your articles or they want to uh, get involved with you somehow, how do they do that exactly? Well, I just happen to have a new uh, website that uh, is now uh, taking a lot of the uh, it has a lot of a lot of the stuff that I've done on it. It's called www.mypoliticalinsights.com. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, Doctor, I appreciate you making time for us today. We've got to get to Jay Izzo uh, with our social media update, but uh, thanks for being with us, Doctor. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day, Doctor. Dr. Lawrence Fedwa with us today, joining us on Skype Audio today. And uh, we're going to get to Jay Izzo here in just a second. And uh, check out our website, jagshow.com, also part of the lineup media dot fm family uh broadcast and uh also while you're over there download jay's book v- via audible the uh audible link is available at jagshow.com get a free 30-day trial of audible also shop amazon shop connect and enjoy with amazon do it through our link at jagshow.com we put you in touch with the good friends at amazon the great deals we also uh gets a little bit of a kickback from amazon to pay some production costs and things of that nature and uh jay izzo coming